0: Second John, the summary verses of Second John are in verses five and six. It says, "And now I beseech thee, lady, or again, it's it's a, a strong urge uh, unto this local assembly here. Not that as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another." And then he goes on to define love, and this is love that we walk after His commandments. Now. I want you to take particular notice of the word we at this time, okay? It's been there all along, but that we walk after His commandments. So if I walk after my commandments and you walk after your commandments, then we're all scattered and going in different directions, right? But if we express love and walking in His commandments, well, those that are not walking according to His commandments, they might perceive that as not an act of love, okay? But that is an act of love, right? A parent that admonishes their child in the fear and admonition of the Lord. They love that child. And it says in Hebrews chapter 12 that if there's a child without chastisement, well, they're not a child. They're bastards, right? And not sons. So love and obedience are hand in hand. We are commanded to express love. This is the uh, a, a new commandment, not a new commandment. So this is a commandment that we're giving, not a suggestion, but a commandment that the church of the living God love one another. And this is love that we walk together in his commandments. And this is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in obedience. That's how we express love to one another. And that's how... How do I express the love of God toward Brother Adam or toward Brother Gary or toward my wife? I walk obedient unto the Lord. That teaches me how to be a good friend, a good dad, a good husband, a good pastor, a good employee, a good everything. Okay, that, That's it. So this evening we're looking at, we, we studied, remember the doctrine of Christ in verse 9. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. It's not that they're confused about God. They don't have Him. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both, He hath both the Father and the Son, and that He is, you can understand, He or she, not just men have the Father or the Son, but that person that abides in the doctrine of Christ. So, briefly, let's remind ourselves what the doctrine of Christ is, right? Briefly. That Jesus Christ came in the flesh. John, again, he's addressing Gnosticism. The idea that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did not come in the flesh. And that sounds like a crazy idea. Okay? And a lot of folks, well, how can you, how can you say that, that He didn't come in the flesh? The Bible, even people that believe that there is no God believe that Jesus was a prophet and He came in the flesh. How then can there be people that believe that He didn't come in the flesh? Well, in believing that there is no fleshly outcome of His death, burial, and resurrection, by necessity, they, they cannot believe that He came. In the flesh no matter what comes out of their mouth and we looked at that last time and the time before out of Romans chapter 6 but I want you to see it again of what a serious note this is that the doctrine of Christ okay so if I say that Jesus Christ came in the flesh there's lots of people say that oh yeah I believe there's a God I believe Jesus is God what does that have to mean how does that have to translate well it has to translate in our lives what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Can we go on a Gnosticism? Can we go in anti antinomianism, meaning because of grace there is no more law or we're not held to any standard at all? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Now, baptism is that literal door into the Lord's assembly. That's that's the, uh, you know, if you, if you submit a resume or fill out an application, that is the entryway into the Lord's assembly. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. And that, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of God, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So just as much as Jesus Christ in the flesh, he didn't rise a spirit, he rose a, 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 a man in the flesh, just as much as he's alive in the flesh by the glory of the Father in the presence of the Father, so should someone who is saved, born again, and expressing that in the Lord's assembly through baptism, express that in newness of life. And not just an idea of newness of life, but literally a new creature, a new thing. 2 Corinthians 5.17 All all things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. God in the flesh. In his office, his messiahship, being a mediator of the new covenant as prophet, priest, and king. In his literal sufferings, he didn't, as an apparition or some kind of spirit, bear sins or an idea of sin. Or open a door to save from sin. But in his body, he suffered the fiery wrath of God there at Calvary. And in finishing that work in his body, he cried out, it is finished. But that physical work of redemption at Calvary was accomplished. By his death, burial, and resurrection, he brought grace and mercy and peace and and affords repentance and pardon, justification, ransom from sin, and complete salvation, hope, or expectation in his gospel. As long as Christ is the risen Son of God, holy and accepted by the Father in the flesh, I can expect with mine own eyes, as Job said, I will see him. Because of that, because of his, sin, his ascension, his present intercession, I can expect right now that he will return. I can expect that he said, I will come again, and he will. And expecting that, as we read in Second Timothy chapter 4, expecting that uh, it, will, it will be changing, it will have uh, a, a, an impact on my life, expecting the imminent return of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 says, For I'm not ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I'm ready right now. Boom. Let's go. Let's have it. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Is that Paul bragging on himself, or how great he is? No, that's just him saying, because... Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. He's saying, I love his appearing. I can't wait till he comes. I can't wait even, yes, if it goes by me being beheaded in the next hour, because I have run the race. By the grace of God, I have run a race. Look over on the next page in Titus chapter 2. Verse 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, or all manner of men, that teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. How are we supposed to live? Soberly, righteously, and godly. According to the doctrine of Christ. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So because of the doctrine of Christ, there, there has to be and outcome, and those that have participated in it by the work of God, by the foreknowledge and determinate counsel of God Almighty, the Father, according to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the new birth that is brought by the Holy Spirit, the Trinity of God, bringing salvation according to Christ's gospel, completely the power of God, but it does have evidence in the lives of the people of God. It does. He says, because of the doctrine of Christ, and verse 10, if there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, the doctrine of Christ. Remember, and we read last time, we'll read it again, in 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. So there's a difference between those that are the children of God and those who are not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Yes, right now, I might look like a sinful wretch because I am one, and I am a son of God now. You don't see me for what I'm going to be, and you don't see me in Christ like the Father does, But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I'm not what I'm going to be, but I am going to be, but I'm not what I'm going to be yet. But every man, he says, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth transgression or continues also the law. Whosoever committed sin transgresses the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, yes, in the mind of God in eternity, but also in this life, according to that change, according to the purification that happens. He that purified himself, he he that had this hope purified himself, even as he is pure, there's a change that happens. He came, and in his flesh and blood, he came to take away our sins. And that ought to be evident in our lives. Not sinlessly perfect, but it ought to be evident in our lives. If we say that he didn't take away our sins, well, that, then you might, bore, you might say, well, that you're a Gnostic, that he didn't have a physical body, therefore he physically doesn't take away our sins. In him there is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not or does not continue in sin. Whosoever has the doctrine of Christ. Go back to our text, verse... Number nine, whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. How plain. So that's what John is addressing in 1 John as well. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Don't let anybody deceive you. There is a work of God according to the doctrine of Christ. That's what he's saying. That that is what is so plain in our text. He says, again, if there come any unto you, and they will, and they have, and they will, and they have. This, This is not a new issue. This is an ongoing issue, a continual issue. He says they are known by their doctrine, and their doctrine is known by their living. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, what do they bring? What do they carry? Remember our example from last week was that you all talk about what you're bringing for lunch. Well, when you bring it, you literally carry it. what, What you're holding, what you have, right? So someone who has a doctrine, it's not just what comes out of their mouth, it's how they live. I can say I have a... Uh, a a doctrine of clean eating and healthy habits and exercise all day long, but one look at me tells me that I clearly don't have that doctrine, right? You know people by the fruit, Jesus Christ said. So he says, bring this doctrine. Everyone brings a doctrine. Everyone carries a doctrine. In Matthew chapter 7, again, just... Just going over a few things, so we can. So the next part of this study will be super easy. It'll be super easy for us to grab. In Matthew chapter seven and verse twenty, he says, "Whereby, wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them." Uh, because of drought and hard times, we're going to see that that there, there's going to be about a bushel or less of persimmons on these trees out here, compared to thirty or forty bushel that we could reach in years prior. But it's still a persimmon tree. Okay? It didn't change into a fig tree or an apple tree or a grapevine because of hard times. It's still a persimmon tree. So a child of God might not always show just the luster of the glory of the hope that lies in us. But we're still the children of God and still known by our fruit. Shame on me when that fruit does not shine. It's my fault, not God's. But I'm, I'm still a child of God, you see. Likewise... These trees over here that are dead, I'll watch them until I hoe them up or dig them up with a shovel. They're just going to keep being dead. okay? I'll know them by the fruit. In Second John, verses 4 through 9, we've, we've read that so far. But he said in verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I found thy children walking in truth as we have received the commandment from the Father. It's a wonderful and joyful thing to see. It's a wonderful and joyful thing for me to see you as a group and as individuals moving together and walking together in love and, and, and walking in truth and, 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 uh, and, and, and loving it. It's wonderful for me to see. It's not wonderful to see those that, that walk in rebellion. And there's an obvious difference, an obvious difference. When he says, then, if they're coming in unto you and bringing out this doctor, he says, receive them not into your house. Well, yes, of course, I'm not supposed to just sit down and have have supper, right? Remember when brother, uh, well, when there was a brother recently that the church that he's a member of and he was a missionary out of him when he was disciplined out of that church, I said immediately, I strongly recommend that you not reach out to this person. Well, evidently, and, we, and respecting that other church's authority, if you if, if you don't respect that other church's authority, then you got a problem with Jesus Christ because he gave churches authority. So if we receive him into our house, that also would mean you picking up a phone or that would also mean writing him letters and sympathizing with him and all this kind of stuff. No, evidently, that church deemed that he does not hold the doctrine of Christ regardless of what comes out of his mouth and what articles he writes. And that church voting to dismiss him as a member we should respect that. They obviously have their reasons. But do not receive them into your house. So of course, yes, we shouldn't have a fellowship with those folk, but also bringing them into the membership or having them as, as active members. We should have no desire. He says, receive him not or her not into your house. Him not, not. Receive him not into your house. That's, that's plain. So... As Even as pastor, if I start behaving myself in a way that is not supportive of the doctrine of Christ, have a conversation with me. If I refuse to hear it, bring me before the church. church. If I refuse to hear the church, then dismiss me as pastor and member of this church. Because that's what the Bible says. Right? Does that mean you have to expect perfection out of me? No, please don't expect perfection out of me. But... A mishap here and there is different than lifestyle, and it's different than heart, and it's different than fruit and way of life. Receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. The church doesn't have to put up with this kind of mess. The church doesn't have to put up with this nonsense. The church is not obligated to support or condone someone who does not hold the doctrine of Christ. Unfit, Unsound doctrine, teaching, living, no, there's, there's no obligation for the Lord's assembly to put up with that stuff, ever. The Lord's church, therefore, is to be wise and scrutinizing and also deliberate in its membership. Not only should we, yes, ask questions that when somebody says they're saved, but it would be wise for you to scrutinize me as well as I scrutinize you. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which have been wrought, but that we receive a full reward. If you desire for me to have a full reward as a pastor, which there are pastor's crowns, if you desire for me to have a full reward, please look at me. And I'm not asking you that as a dare. I'm saying please, as a friend and brother in Christ, exam- if you love me, examine me that I would receive a full reward. Please, by the word of God, that I be examined. I'm asking you, please. But also you're commanded by the word of God. The church is not the house of, Of deceivers and antichrists. Verse 7, for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. What makes it difficult is because people coming in, they think, well, man, they have a reason for being here. Why would would they come here if they don't want to be with us? Because they're deceivers and antichrists. What happened from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3? There was a harmonious family serving God and in every second of it. And here came that great deceiver, Satan. The, the, the great deceiver, the adversary. No, we are to be wise. So when he says, don't receive them, neither bid them God speak. What does that mean? That's, that's the message tonight. I know that's a long introduction, but we, we have to understand what we're talking about here. Because, and we looked at that the, partly last week. Look, look, read verse 11 with me. For he that biddeth him God speed is partaker of his evil deeds. And the, that is, the, sub, that is the, the title for this evening. Partaker of his evil deeds. Partaker of his evil deeds. So what does it mean to bid somebody God speed? By definition, to wish them well. To wish them gladness to salute them or greet them or wish them to thrive or be well. You know, be well, bless thee, have a blessed day. We're not to be mean or nasty. I'm not to be mean and nasty. You're not to be mean and nasty. But we're not to bid unsound, unsavory, unsaved. Based on what we're reading here. Unsound, unsavory, unsaved people success in their doctrine or in their way of living again there are the devils believe that there is a god and tremble they have seen him with their own spiritual eyes they know the magnitude of his godness more so than I do at this point by the eye by faith they don't have faith but you see even in that even in that they, ha- they have an understanding of God that I don't have, but that doesn't make them saved, sound, or savory before God. I am not to bid anyone well. So let's put some wheels on this, okay? There's everybody in Silsby says that they're saved people, right? Well, if they call upon the name of the Lord. Am I just supposed to say, okay, it's fellowship time because they all love the Lord and so do I? No. Because the person that they're calling Lord is not the same person I'm calling Lord. By the vast majority of time. Am I saying no one else is saved? No, I'm not. But if their God requires them to have a part in their salvation, they're deceivers and antichrists. If they have to work according to salvation, unto salvation, they do not hold the doctrine of Christ. If somebody said, yes, I'm saved because, yes, I believe in the Lord and and I had this Methodist baptism over here and because I'm Methodist baptized or, or Church of Christ baptized or whatever and because of this baptism, but I want to join up with you all for a while, I would recommend strongly that we withhold membership until we really get down how much they believe in their baptism. You see? If they believe what the doctrine or the the articles of faith say about those different organizations, they do not hold the doctrine of Christ. So if we wouldn't admit them here because of their doctrine out there, I shouldn't wish them Godspeed either. I should not wish them success because if people believe what they say, they're going straight to the pits of hell with a religiously unsaved confidence. You see how dangerous that is? Sufficient to say, this is not to be tolerated, supported, or brought into the Lord's assembly. But specifically, the Gnostic idea of knowledge is salvation, without a bodily form of the doctrine of Christ. There's a guy that used to come in here. He hasn't in a long time. I told him not to come back. You might remember him. He interrupted the song service one day. He was wanting money. He came up here I, when I still played the trombone. He was he came up here, interrupted the song service, wanting money. Stood right there cussing at me because I told him that he uh, we weren't going to give me give him any money. But then he came back another time. I was out on the side out here working in the yard. He stopped again and he asked for money and i told him no and he said well you know I, I, at one point i was called to preach and he called it he said different things in different words and did i just oh yeah called to preach and wrap my big arms around him and give him a big sloppy kiss because we're fellow laborers in the lord no i told him to repent and believe on the lord jesus christ not fellow laborers can't wish somebody godspeed or well wishes just because they say something like that What's his doctrine? Well, the doctrine of the alcohol on his breath and his glassy-eyed appearance, that told me that he was not indeed a person that was living according to the doctrine of Christ or bearing the doctrine of Christ. But look at, look at this stiff warning. Look at this stiff warning of verse 11. For or because he that biddeth him Godspeed or wishes him well is partaker of his evil deeds. That word partaker means they have communion or fellowship or sharer. They're a sharer or partner. That you become associate with that person. Associate with his evil deeds. What kind of deeds are they? What kind of deeds are they? They're evil. Evil deeds. Wishes one well or success to celebrate somebody behaves as if we if I behave in a familiar conversation as allies and that person holds not the doctrine of Christ, then I am just as guilty of what they're doing as they are. That's what that's what the word of God says. So then the question that we have to ask ourselves, the question I have to ask myself is what am I willing to be a partaker of before God? There was We were traveling a while back and this guy starts going into the gas station. It looked like he had had some hard times. So we passed by him and, and Jill says, go in there and give him some money. So I, I pulled it and what I do, because I don't pull out my billfold in front of people. I, I, I had a certain amount and I stuck it in my shirt pocket because I was going to reach in my shirt pocket, handing that and whatever. So I, I took the time to do that, stuck it in my shirt pocket and as I go in, He's standing at the counter and as rough as he looks, he's asking for all these different lottery tickets from off the thing. Well I took that money, stuck it back in my and I I'm not going to be a partaker of that man's evil deeds for to buy him his next set of lottery tickets. Before God, I'm not going to be a partaker of the evil deeds. That might sound silly to you, it's very it's a very serious thing to me. And if you would, please, and we, we read part of this uh, when Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. Look in First Corinthians chapter 5. He's addressing the group, okay? He, he's writing the group there at Corinth. He's not writing to a single person. He's writing to the group because they are partaker to one man's evil deeds. Look at how he talks to them. Very firm. It is reported... Commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, not he is puffed up, you are puffed up, and have have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily as absent in the body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that had done this deed. So he's guilty. But they have a problem for not dealing with it. They're partaker. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little, little leaven, leaven at the whole lump, you see the imagery there? A little leaven in that guy affects the entire group and they are all partakers of his evil deeds. By this rationale, they are all guilty of the fornication named in verse 1. Because they had not done anything about it. They're consenting, their, their quiet was a consent. He says, Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as you are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and, and truth. How is that? By excising that, that corrupted part. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornic- fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. So yeah, of course you don't hang out with the world, people acting like that. But now I have written unto you not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or extortioner, with such and one, not to eat, or don't fellowship with them. For what have I to do to judge them that are also without? I'm not going to go out there and judge the city of Corinth. I'm talking to the church in Corinth. Do not judge them. Do not ye judge them that are within. But them that are without, God judges. Therefore put away from among you yourselves that wicked person. He's telling them, because you haven't done these things you have become leavened and partakers of his evil deeds instead of reproving this man they were making concession for him they were giving him space and that brought evil into the entire camp remember achan did the similar thing brought evil into the entire camp so one bringing near one that does not hold the doctrine of Christ is Aiding and abetting. You know what aiding and abetting is? There's a, a, a there's a guy that's he breaks out of the jail over here in Cones, and he, he hitches a ride, and he makes his way over to the Whites' house, and the Whites know about it, and here come the sirens, but they don't say anything. Aiding and abetting. Aiding and abetting. Encouraging or assisting the transgressor and the principles. Read that verse again. For he that biddeth him feet as partaker of his evil deeds. Are you willing to encourage and assist a transgressor and their principles, their way of living? I'm not. Again, am I expecting sinless perfection? No, I'm not. We are to expect the doctrine of Christ for those who profess it. Giving them reason. It gives them reason. If we aid and abed, if we aid and assist, it also gives them reason to be secure in their lack of true doctrine according to Christ. I know people that do that. Um, they don't get the answer they want, so they go to the next person and, get, and they don't get the answer they want. Kids do that. They go to the next person to get the answer. When they keep going, to get the answer that they want. Well, at some point when they get to answer the one, they say, see, and that person that just gave them the answer they wanted is now guilty of the thing they said is okay. That's dangerous. This is sin before God. We had a message on Sunday about transferred intent. The principle applies. If I go to push Adam and Adam bumps into Layla and Layla's neck is broken, I'm guilty of breaking Layla's neck. Transferred intent. If someone holds not the doctrine of Christ and I'm aiding and abetting them, I have now assumed the intent of their actions by being a partaker of their evil deeds. Let's bring this closer to reality. If one, it goes without saying that we're not to be wishing well the wicked world. Oh yeah, I'm going over to the casino. Well, I hope you win a million dollars. Well, of course we're not supposed to say that stuff. We're also not supposed to give them a 20 and say, lay one on red for me. You know That, that gives them our consent. We're not to consent with that stuff. It goes without saying we're not to be wishing well the rebellious. If I'm going to go break into a bank. Well... I hope you don't get caught. Well, I'm going to go drinking and driving. I hope you don't get pulled over. Again, partaker of their evil deeds. I know a man very well that that his son, he was underage but liked to drink. And his brother gave him a case of beer and tossed him his own car keys. Well, the boy drank the case of beer and took the, the, the man's brother's car and went and killed himself with the car. We're not to be assisting rebellious and sinful behavior. Who's guilty of that murder? Well, that boy's dead. He's at fault. But that brother, that uncle, that gave him the keys and the beer, the booze, he was wishing him well. He was wishing him success in his drunken behavior. Of course, we're not supposed to be doing stuff like that. It goes without saying we're not to be wishing well religiously. Indignant people, you know, folks that just that are just, that just call upon their religion, but their religion and their their artifacts of religion or their steps of religion or their boxes that they check of religion. Of course, you. Oh, we're having a revival over here at the the Pentecostal church. Well, I hope a lot of people get saved over there. Well, according to their criteria, you're wishing a lot of people getting saved over there by their criteria. You're wishing a lot of people to be woefully deceived and twofold the child of of hell. You see how you'd be a partaker of their evil deeds by wishing them well and success? I've had people tell me, oh, and it's exciting because they know I'm a pastor. Oh, we had so many baptisms this week. Oh, really? I start asking questions, and they get mad, like, you doubt such a thing? You know, What's your problem? You should be happy that so many people are saved. Well, I, I pray to God that if it's His will, that they are, but I've got my doubts, and I'm surely not going to be a partaker in confirming the methods. It goes without saying. That we're not to be wishing well the Gnostic or the antinomian. It goes. John shouldn't even have to say that if somebody continues in sin and does not have the doctrine of Christ and does not have God by their works of their, their lives, as evidenced in their lives, that we should not wish them well. We have folks in our membership that are under discipline. I don't wish them well. I pray for repentance and change in their lives. If harm comes to them by the providence of God, we just read in 1 Corinthians 5 that now they're in the hands of the devil, that the body would be destroyed and the soul and the soul saved. I don't, I don't pray that, the, they, that things go well. I pray that the Lord change them. Repentance. We're not to. Def- So, Paul, we read in Romans chapter six. Read look at it again. Romans chapter six, read these verses again. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in them? But pray for them that they'll have success. Does that fit? But wish them God speed in their life. Does that fit at all? No, it doesn't fit. It's not consistent with the word of God. Do not bid them God speak. This is specifically talking about, in our text in, in 2, John, uh, 2 John verse 11, it's specifically talking about people who say that they're religious, they come in, they don't hold the doctrine of Christ, they continue in transgression who we're not supposed to receive. It sounds like we're to be Highly critical and highly protective of ourselves. If I wouldn't go out and do these sins in public, I surely shouldn't wish someone well and continuing in them, right? So if I Well, Chelsea, if I were, if I were to wish Chelsea well and 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 just say, hey, look, I think uh, I hope everything's going okay. I'd be a partaker of her adultery. Look, and I'm, and I'm not saying this. To, I'm not saying this to be mean or ugly, but th- this is this this is what John is talking about. So we're not going to sidestep. And a, and a, it hurts me. It hurts me on her behalf, and it hurts me for those children. In Mark chapter ten, verses eleven. And 12, Jesus Christ speaking says, He saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. She has a living husband and married somebody else. I can't be okay with that. I can't be okay with her idolatry. Well, she's an idolater now. Yes, she has a false representation of deity. That's idolatry. I can't be okay with her abandonment of the Lord's assembly and holding to the doctrine of her lust rather than the doctrine of Christ. I can't be okay with that. And I love Chalsea. I can't tell you, it's impossible for me to tell you the number of hours and days that I have stayed without a moment's rest praying for this woman. But I cannot be a partaker of her evil deeds. I cannot. And we cannot. We cannot wish her well. I pray that the Lord convert her. If she's a saved person, that she that she be drawn in sorrowed repentance and restored into this assembly. If she's not a saved person, that she brought to sorrowed repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Whatever the case, she is not holding the doctrine of Christ right now, neither should I bid her Godspeed. I'm not prepared before God to be guilty of that. And I, and I ask you, are you prepared before God? Agreeing with Shane's behavior. If we if we were to bring him back without repentance, if he just says words and we bring him back without true repentance, we would be partakers of his rebellion, his backbiting, his anger, his malice, his bitterness, his busybodiness. Going from person to person and saying how everybody else ought to be living. His his divisiveness and his lustfulness. Look in, in Romans chapter 16. And if the Lord truly converts him, that's a separate matter. Then we should receive him yes. in, all, in all love and affection. If the Lord converts him. Romans chapter 16 verses 17 and 18 says... Romans chapter 16, 17 and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offense as contrary to doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. So they don't have the doctrine of Christ. They're, they're following after what they think they ought to do. And by good works and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Receiving him back, unrepentant, would make us partakers of his evil deeds. And I must admit, because because it went on for so long, I feel guilty that I'm already partaker of his evil deeds because I didn't do anything to stop it. This is a serious issue. And I will not, looking out for you, I will not have you be a partaker of his evil deeds. I will not. Before God, look, he says, for he that bid of him God's speed is a partaker of his evil deeds. So, so just words without change in behavior, that means that we approve and sanction and are okay with, with just whatever. And I'm not. I'm just, I'm not. That sounds rough, doesn't it? Read it again. For he that biddeth him Godspeed, speed is a partaker of his evil deeds. Those are two examples, and apply them both, because they're both both fitting. We're not to do that. Neither one of them hold the doctrine of Christ. They don't. Oh, well, he says this, and she says this. Well, deceivers and antichrists say a whole bunch of stuff, don't they? Well, how do they live? That's the telltale. Look to yourselves, verse 8, Whosoever transgresseth, verse 9. Where do we abide? Again, the Lord repents them, receive them both, and, and, and nobody can, nobody will beat me to the, to the spot where hugs are exchanged if the Lord repents them, grants them repentance. Until then, they continue in evil deeds. They continue in transgression. They hold not the doctrine of Christ. We are not to receive them nor bid them godspeed, And we are certainly not to be partakers or fellowshippers of their evil deeds. We're not to ally ourselves to false assemblies or freelancers either. We're not to go out witnessing or collaborating with those outside. That sounds rough. What does the Bible say? Look over in the book of Ezra. You know where Ezra is? Go find the book of Ezra. It's right before Nehemiah. Ezra chapter 4. See how closely this resembles being... Uh, wishing someone God speed and being partakers. Look at what Zerubbabel, the governor, does. It, to me, he's, he's one of the, uh, the, the uh, I, I want to call him an unsung hero in the Bible. He just seems like a really cool guy, a guy that I would like to know. It, chapter Ezra chapter 4. May the Lord give us all a streak of Ezra, uh, Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. Now when the adversaries mark that word in your Bible, it's listed there for a reason, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they who? The adversaries came to Zerubbabel, who was the governor, and to the chief of the fathers, and said unto them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God. Hey, that sounds pretty sweet. Extra hands, extra help, we're on the same side. We seek your God as ye do, and we do sacrifice unto Him since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Asher which brought us up hither. What happened in the days of Esarhaddon? He was the king of Asher who, who brought up all these men of ill repute, these sons of Belial. After, after he had taken the men into captivity, he brought these unsavory men into the northern kingdom and cross-populated all these horrible people with the women of Israel. And they combined the religion of the house of the Lord with all these false gods. So, yes, they called upon Jehovah along with Molech and all these other ones. But they're saying, oh, yeah, we're on the same side. What does Zerubbabel say? Oh, cool, more hands, more help. No, Zerubbabel. He said, no, you're not, you're not partakers with us and we're not partakers of your evil deeds. Look at this. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, you have nothing to do with us to build a house unto our God. But we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us. What's he saying? We are commissioned to serve our God in this spot. Were the adversaries commissioned to serve God and build a house? No, they weren't. It's so important, so important that we do not collaborate with those who are outside and wish them well and and grant and, and, and give them our, our stamp of approval because we don't have the, really the authority to do that. We have the authority to move as we have been commanded. Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building. Once They got offended and then started setting trip hazards up for them. And they hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, until the end of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Why do we say all that? Well, we're not to collaborate. This is not some ecumenical group gathering of of everybody, you do it your way, you, I'll do it my way, and we'll do it our, everybody will just do it together. No, don't be a partaker of their evil deeds. Do not collaborate. The Lord set his assembly right here. Some of what we believe, they'll join us. If they don't, they should move on. But we're not to receive them if they don't. We're not to bend if they don't, just to have a few more you know, seats filled up in here. I don't know how many children John was riding to, it might have been a hundred, it might have been two or three. I have no idea. Doesn't matter. He that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. Also, if you look in the book of Galatians, chapter one, he's, Paul speaks on the same idea in the New Testament sense, Galatians chapter one. Begin reading with me in verse four, please. Galatians chapter 1 excuse me verse 6 I marvel that you so soon remo- that you are so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel so they're they're they're, they're going back into Judaism is what they're doing and it, they didn't lose their salvation but they're, they're going back into those ideas and principles of Judaism he said which is not another go- which is not another but they're be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Well, they don't hold the doctrine of Christ, but we could, we could be taught different things that, that change our beliefs. He says, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Paul says in verse 9, oh, in case you think I stuttered, As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. You think because he said it twice that he really meant it? What's he saying? Don't buddy up with these people that give another gospel. You will be partakers of their evil deeds and those perversions will negatively impact you. Or do I now persuade men or God? Or do I speak to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of God. We're not to be men pleasers. I'm I'm not I'm not pastor here to make people happy. I'm pastor I'm your pastor. You ask me, and I and I gladly am your pastor, because I want you to bring as much glory to God Almighty as possible, casting as many crowns as possible at his feet for his glory. In doing so, don't be a partaker of evil deeds of others. Don't don't be associate, don't 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 be a collaborator, don't aid in bed don't make excuse, don't do any of that stuff. Call it for what it is, call it sinful behavior. And they, if they continue in that stuff and don't have the doctrine of Christ, it says in verse nine, they don't have God. Encourage them to repent, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. When he says in Galatians, you received that being taught in proper church lineage and doctrine, they didn't go to Google and YouTube. When he says received and not from men, but according to godly knowledge in the assembly. So bringing it in, yes, we're not supposed to ally ourselves with false assemblies or freelancers or or get, oh yes, I, I learned this truth here, but I go over here to get a better understanding over there. No, it's all right here. And the Lord has preserved his church, the pillar and ground of the truth. We don't need associates, and neither should we desire to be partaker of their evil deeds. That goes for, you know, for all our behavior, who who we talk with, how we talk with them. It's frustrating to me. When I see all these pastors on social media and they'll quote somebody, then I know good, good and well that they don't agree with, but they'll quote somebody just because that's a famous person. You know, they'll quote somebody, and then, and then who knows? Maybe I'll say, "Well, who's that guy?" and I start looking them up and you can start looking them up and you see what a real horrible person that that is or what a real, what horrible beliefs that they have. Reposting stuff like that, you're now a partaker of their evil deeds. If I if I repost something from from whoever and whoever believes something that's absolutely awful, now I am responsible for what they say and believe. See how dangerous this gets? Well you just told the world that you follow old so and so. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. How much evil Are you willing to be a partaker of to be friends with somebody in this world? How much? In James, book of James. Chapter 4, verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? You are now a partaker of their evil deeds. Just being friends. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Very serious. Partakers of their evil deeds. Partakers of their evil deeds. This is why we have spent so much time on the doctrine of Christ to understand how devastatingly horrible wishing someone Godspeed is who's outside of the doctrine of Christ. Either one abides in the doctrine of Christ or they don't. Either one has God or they don't. Either someone loves the doctrine of Christ or they don't. And I don't mean just the teaching of sovereign grace, I mean God in the flesh, bringing transformative salvation to those He died for. He came to take away our sins. We read it in verse in First John. We either know, we can know, you know what I abide in based on what I, how I live, right? You know what I abide in based on how I live. And I know what you abide in based on how you live. And, and, and if someone... I don't hide my, myself very well. If someone doesn't know what I believe about something, they're not bit listening very much. I certainly can't bid someone success or God's speed who is living a life contrary to the doctrine of Christ. And that's what John is saying. Because bidding them well or success outside of the doctrine of Christ, you're, you're condoning and aiding and abetting their sin. And now you're a partaker or you're a, an associate in that wickedness. For he that biddeth him God's feet is a partaker of his evil deeds. What am I willing to be a partaker of? You know, hanging out with y'all, my family, my, my, my church family. I want to be a partaker of the fellowship of walking in light as he is light. If we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what I want to be a partaker of. I want to be partaker of a fellowship who's looking out for me and I'm looking out for you and we're all pointing each other unto the Lord through the word of God and that the grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ would be in us in truth and in love. Verse 3. And that we would greatly rejoice in one another, finding one another, walking in truth. Doesn't that sound like a wonderful... Wouldn't you love to be a partaker of that? Let me tell you the, the positive end of being a partaker of deeds. And, you know, it hasn't been many, but it's been enough. These funerals I go to and I preach to lost and dying people who are looking for a scrap of hope. Y'all sitting in the back, you're a partaker. You're partakers of the ministry of God, uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's some pretty awesome partakerness, I tell you. It really is. When you see what Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, he said, You are our crown of rejoicing, though Paul was the one that did all the talking over there in the book of Acts. There's some pretty great partakingness that we can be a part of according to the doctrine of Christ. It's amazing. That he gives us grace in saving us, then gives us grace to abide in his doctrine, then gives us, gives us the partaking of his righteousness. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We're partakers of his righteousness. That's a pretty great stuff, right? So what do you want to desire? What do you desire to be? Do you desire to be a partaker of evil deeds? Do you desire to be a partaker of the righteousness of God and follow after the doctrine of Christ? Well, that ought to be an answer, answer, easy answer, easy question to answer. Children of God, this is not a game. We're divided in, doc, in the doctrine of Christ. Whosoever who, excuse me, whosoever transgresseth. And abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both God, He hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, the doctrine of Christ, God in the flesh, His sufferings, His, his Messiahship, His death, burial, resurrection, everything that applies to in our lives and its transformation in our lives. Receive not him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed, speed, or don't wish him well. Pray that God so break their heart that they rest not a moment, not a moment, till they be converted. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Don't receive him. Don't bid him godspeed speed. Don't be their associate. That sounds, that sounds rough, doesn't it? What Paul say to the church in Corinth? Put them out. Don't let them in. What Paul write to the church of Thessalonica in Second Thessalonians chapter three? Put them out. Don't company with them. In the flesh and in sinfulness, we can, we can make excuses. My sister in law. Mother of your grandkids, we can make excuses, right? We can make excuses. Let's say it the scripture: Do not be partaker of their evil deeds. Counsel them in the gospel. Do not pat them on the head and think them they're okay. Just have a different point of view. Oh, I don't see it that way. That well, the, there's not gray zones in that, and it's not your opinion, my opinion. The doctrine of Christ is pretty straightforward. I mean, there's literally 66 books written about the doctrine of Christ. Do not be partaker of your evil deeds. Sinner, your deeds are evil. Every one of them. You can't even breathe right. Every breath you take, you're still in God's air. That's theft. Every thought you think, every beating of the heart, every everything, everything that happens, everything you do, Moment by moment, exponentially, is sin. You know it's pretty great? Read verse 3. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father. You know, we don't need grace unless we're in a low estate without ability to lift ourselves up. Grace is being given something you don't deserve, unmerited favor. Boy, if we could merit it, it wouldn't be grace. If it's grace, if it's work, it's no more grace. If it's grace, it's no more work. That's what Paul said to the Romans. If you can do anything good, there'd be no need for grace. Because there is grace from God and God is holy, that means you can do nothing good. But there it is, that word, black and white, I can see it. Grace. Mercy from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What's that mean? That means that God, for the cause of Jesus Christ, does not give the sinner what they deserve, but rather judged His only begotten Son instead. He doesn't just wipe it out. He doesn't have a dry erase board for sin. No, that sin must be taken care of. So mercy coming to the offender... And that just judgment went upon the holy and righteous Son of God. But mercy nonetheless. You cannot gain mercy of yourself because all you can do is wickedness and require more judgment. All you can do is dig a deeper hole. The mercy of God comes in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what does, what does the gospel also bring peace? a tranquil state of a soul assured before God. There can be no peace outside of the gospel. Someone holding not, excuse me, someone continuing in transgression and not having the doctrine of Christ, they will never have grace, mercy, or peace. But those experiencing salvation by the grace of God and mercy of God, bringing the peace of God, will hold the doctrine of Christ and therefore will abide in it. We're not, we read it in 1 John chapter 3. We're not what we will be, but man, we will be one day. But he that hath this hope purifieth himself, even as he is pure. I will not wish you Godspeed, sinner. I will not wish you Godspeed. In fact, knowing and having experienced salvation... My ask before God, should it be his pleasure, is that you're absolutely miserable. Can't eat, can't sleep, can't think. That went on for me for me personally. It went on for me off and on, mostly on, for about two years. In an immediate sense, when the Lord saved me, I went about two weeks without sleep. I was afraid I wasn't going to wake up. Listen to the Lord gracious. You know that two weeks loss of sleep didn't hurt me much now. I thank God for the grace of God. I bring all that up to say this. I pray that God make you miserable. And it wasn't for lack of sleep that the Lord saved me. That was heavy conviction he brought under my heart. Yes, I will not pray for, I will I will not pray you God speed in your in your wickedness, but for the mercies and grace and peace that only God can bring according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you repent of your sin, that you repent of your lack of the doctrine of Christ. And you believe on him by the power of God and the salvation. And believing that you would be found walking in truth, that you live it. That's what the people of God do is salvation. They live it. And the Lord bless the preaching of his word.